So, as, as I was thinking, um, we, we were going to show the message from last night, uh, but I, I feel like uh, you deserve a live pastor, at least for the first service. Um, I'm a bit worn down and have been, been with their family nonstop. Uh, Rain and I have known Barbara and Nathan for about 30 years, knew Joe and Chris and Natalie when they were in diapers. And so, so walking out through the process since Wednesday up uh, until now, there's, there's obvious questions that are asked. And, and I'm just going to be transparent with you for our guest today. Come back next week. See, <laughs> so I heard the pastor was funny and he had a lot of illustrations. And, but another thing you hear about Coastline is we're real people that go through real struggles and real life happens. We don't always understand it. Just don't. We know that we live in a fallen world, and we know that we live in a fallen world because something Adam did, he sinned. And when sin entered in, death entered in. And so, so the thought of, of sticking with a sermon series would have been the easy thing to do. You know, we started the sermon series last week, uh, Framework. But uh, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right. And so I, I was praying and thinking. I didn't even know if I was going to be here last night, just, just trying to be where I felt like I needed to be. And, and so it, it worked out to where Natalie got in from Thailand with their crew, and Raina and I were able to leave and be here last night. And, and thank God I could be here this morning. This is my job. Um, and uh, this isn't all I do, despite what some of you think. Um, but but this, is, this is a huge part of my job. And I wanted to be with you today because you're my family. And, and so, so I, I'm just going to share some thoughts with you and be very transparent. There won't be any, any scriptures on the screen because this is kind of something God downloaded to me throughout the afternoon yesterday as I was on the way to church. And, and we'll just be family together today, okay? And, and so, so as, as Wednesday unfolded, I, I began to, to ask this question. And, and, and you might say, well, Jason, you're a pastor. You can't. You can't. How can you ask this question? How can you ask this question? It, but I, I did. I found myself asking the question as I held a friend of 30 years in my arms as he sobbed, as I, I held his son and, and dealt with funeral homes and dealt with the different things that come along with that. I've done it many times. This was different. And so I found myself having to separate, go outside, take a walk, and, and asking this question. And you may think, you may think that I'm totally, good job, good job, silence your phone. You may think, oh my gosh, I've never heard anybody, but, but I found myself asking this question, why? This is not how it's supposed to go down. And perhaps you're here today and maybe you've went through something, or you're going through something right now and you, you've been bold enough to ask the question, why? And can I tell you, God is big enough for you to ask that question. And then, and then you look at this idea of where I landed is, do you care? And I don't know about you, but me and God have a very real relationship. And it, it's kind of one of those questions that you ask and you know the answers. Yes, I care. But, but in our humanity and in our loss and in, in how we're trying to navigate things and, and atrocity and things that turned out the way they weren't supposed to turn out. And, and, and I think it's, it's just humanity comes out and asks the question like, God, do you even care? You ever been there? Do you, do you even care? Like, 
Do you know where I'm at? Do you, do you know my zip code? Do you remember me? Do you remember them? How could that happen? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And God, if, if you really loved us, then why are we walking through this? And, 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 and so God, I just got a question for you. Do you care? Do you really care? And in my inner being and who I am and, and what God's done for me in my life and, and, and how he's seen me through times and, and, and the miracles that I've seen him do. Obviously, I know the answer to that. Yes, he cares. But God, why don't I feel like you care right now? And so as I'm processing this and I'm processing Barbara passing away and this wonderful lady of God who did many great things for God, I got connected with Belize through Nathan and Barbara, and they impacted the whole country of Belize. And our church is very connected there. And I've been many times. My son has spent months there. And you would see pictures of Barbara holding kids in Belize, three or four at a time, and feeding them. And, and then them coming on staff here, and many of you getting to know. But, but why, why, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? And do you care? Do you care? And again, if you're visiting with us today, we have purposed at Coastline to be very real people because life is very real. Life leaks. It's not fun at times. And so I'm processing, trying to get here last night, and I got this series going framework, and I'm like, you know, and I'm just going to mention the visitation, and I'm going to plow through, and, and the Holy Spirit is like, no, no, that's... That's just not right. And so, so by virtue of what God is doing in my heart, let me, let me pastor you for a second, if you would. And, and so, so I, God, do you care? And, and these verses started coming to mind. James 4, 8, it, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You, you think about that for a second. There is no other religion. There is no other higher being. There is no other uh, a journey that you can be on that where there is a God who gave his only son and that son is all God, all man and, and was rose from the grave and is alive and is coming back for his church. And so, so we have this, this promise. If you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He, he won't turn his back on you. Circumstance may lend itself towards God. You know, have you turned your back on me? But no, he hasn't. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Whatever you're going through today, the Bible promises us draw, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Proverbs says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, I've often noted the only two differences, the main two differences between Peter and Judas is in Peter's greatest hour of need, he ran to God. He ran to Jesus, and Judas ran away. And so, so this idea of God, God, do you care? And, and so God just started breaking these, these different parts of the Bible. And if, if, if anyone who teaches how to preach a sermon were to hear this, they would, they would, their skin would crawl because it, it's just jumping all over the page. But this is what God showed me. And so I said, God, God, do you care? And, and God took me over to Matthew 9, 36. And this is where Jesus is with the disciples. And, and, G, and the Bible says, and this is speaking of Jesus, and he looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were faint 
They were scattered abroad like sheep without a shepherd. And that's where we get the great missions passage where it goes on to say, so he turns to the disciples and he says, look, so pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. But what I want to focus on right there is the idea of Jesus in that moment is looking on humanity. He's looking on their problems. He's looking to the heart. He's not looking at their deficiency. He is looking at what's caused the deficiency. He's looking at the broken place inside of them. He's looking at the broken place that they never allowed to be healed. He's looking at the broken, and he, he, he is overcome with compassion and the root word of passion. Uh, compassion is passion. And, and, and the, the real word there, compassion, means to be moved as if you were that person to identify with the hurt, to identify with, with, with what's going on there. And here's Jesus looking down at humanity. He looks at the multitudes, the Bible says, thousands of people, and he's not overcome by the crowd. And, and there's no, he, he is concerned about the individuals in the crowd. That's good news for you and I, because I don't know about you, but sometimes you know, when you go through things, you, you want to ask the question, God, do you care? Have you forgotten me? Do you have so much other things going on? And, and can I tell you that he'll never leave you as part of a multitude? He's a big enough God to see you for who you are and to understand what you're going through, to understand the broken parts in your life. I remember one time we were in Florida and we went to one of those little, uh, we, we went to Gulf Shores, which is called the Redneck Riviera, because that's the closest beach to Memphis or that part of, you know, some parts of the Mid-South. And so what we would do is we would just drive south. And when you hit a beach, you found a hotel room, right? And so so we, we went to one of those makeshift theme parks. You know what I'm talking Anybody ever been to one of those things? Yeah, okay. And um, and so so we were there and my son was around probably around three years old, four years old, and he got lost. He got lost. Anybody ever had your kid get lost? You're not a bad parent. And I freaked out, Raina freaked out, and it was my dad's fault because my dad was supposed to be watching him. My dad quit watching him because my dad was buying, buying him cotton candy. And so, so, so we just freaked out and began to look and look and look and look and look and look and look. You know, the idea of Jesus leaving the 99 for the one. He's got compassion on what we're going through. He's got compassion on what you're going through. And we, and we looked tirelessly until we found Dylan. And Dylan in perfect Dylan fashion was riding a carousel that he did not pay to ride. Because he <laughs> climbed the fence and hopped on a horse. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good day. <laughs> so I'm asking God, do you care? Do you, like, do you really care? Yeah, Jason, I care. Don't you remember in Matthew nine thirty six where I looked on the multitudes and had compassion? I wasn't looking at them as a group. I was looking at each individual. And, and, and then I'm, I'm praying and, and, and struggling with the Lord. And then he reminds me of the story of Lazarus. Lazarus. And, and for those of you who don't know the Bible, this is over in John chapter 11, verses 33 through 35. And, and this, is, this is one of Jesus' friends. And, and so Jesus comes and they come out and, and they say things like, Teacher, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, but now he's dead. 
and, and they're weeping and they're crying and, and, and all this commotion's going on. And now Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And, and, and Jewish tradition says that after three days, there's, there is all this going on. So they're weeping and they're mourning and, and they're so sad. And they're really asking Je- Jesus the question, I thought you cared about Lazarus. That's what they were asking. If, if you would have been here, if you would have done this, if this wouldn't have happened, if, oh, gee, where were you, God? Do you care? That's what they were asking Jesus. Jesus, where were you? Do you even care? If you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus asked the question, where have you laid him? And then in verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. So if you've never memorized the verse of scripture, this is yours right now. Matthew eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And if you and if you research that word weep right there, it is an incredibly intensive groaning of emotional movement. He wept. And he wasn't weeping really necessarily for Lazarus. Because check this out. Jesus knew that he was about to call Lazarus out of the grave. He was weeping. And don't miss this. He was weeping because what sin had done to humanity, sin had brought in death. And, and Mary and my, everybody around, all the friends and all the people are weeping and they're sad. And I can tell you this week, I've been around family and friends that are weeping and they're sad and I want to weep for them. But it does me so much good to know that Jesus cares that, and he cared so much. He knew he was going to call Lazarus out of the grave, yet he still wept. He still cried. Why? Because he felt the emotions of humanity. Don't dare think for a second that God is so separate from you from what you're going through that, that he doesn't feel your sadness. That he doesn't, he doesn't feel your anger or feel your betrayal or feel your rejection or at the end of the day, feel he, he is in tune with your emotions. He, he walked up knowing that he was going to call Lazarus out of the grave and he still cried because those around him were we're completely overcome with emotion. Wow. That's the Jesus that died for us. That's the God that we have. And if we can't lean on that God, because if we're not careful, we will allow circumstance to redefine the God that we thought we knew. Do you hear that? Because when life leaks and life happens and everything's not hunky-dory and what, what we thought was to be true is not true, there, there is a, there's a, a playing field. There's a game that happens right there where you got to suit up and you got to decide for yourself whether you believe what you say you believe. I say I believe in forgiveness. Am I going to forgive? I say I believe in a sovereign God, but I don't understand this. I say I believe God loves me, but does he really love me? I say I believe God cares, but does he really care? See, there's a, there's a suiting up there. There's a playing field that happens in that moment, and I can tell you he cares. And so the temptation of the enemy is to get your faith to waver, to hear 
or to there or to here to there until that wavering becomes doubt. That doubt becomes unbelief. And I'm telling you, this book's true. This is just some things that Jesus was showing me as I was asking, do you care? And then all this happened pretty quick in my mind. So I was writing it down yesterday afternoon. And then, and then so, so going from compassion on the multitudes into weeping. Jesus wept because those around Lazarus, because of sin, because of death. Because Jesus knew that it wasn't supposed to be this way. Jesus knew that God had created Adam and Eve to walk with him in the cool of the day. That, that we were the apple of his eye. Sin, sin entered in and messed everything up. Jesus was weeping because this is not how it's supposed to go down. This is not how it's supposed to happen. And then I'm, I'm immediately taken over to Jesus on the cross. And then you feel like, you know... You hear a voice say, how dare you ask, do I care? That's not Jesus. That's the enemy. That's condemnation. You remember Thomas? Thomas said, I won't believe until you put your hand, until I put my hands in the holes in this hand. And what did Jesus do? Come here, Thomas. That's the kind of Jesus we have. Come here, buddy. Come here. If that's what it's going to take. So I'm thinking about Jesus on the cross and God, where are you at? Where were you at last Wednesday? Where are you at with Nathan and Joe and Chris and Natalie and their family and I, right now? Where are you at with those people in my church, our church that are going through hell on earth with family situations? Where are you at? Like when, 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 when they're crying out saying, God, where are you? I'm asking you where I'm the pastor and I'm asking you, where are you? And do you care? So here's Jesus on the cross. He's got these two thieves beside him. One of the most beautiful, beautiful pictures of who Jesus really is. Jesus has been tried unfairly. Jesus has been handed over to be crucified. He has been beaten. He has been beaten beyond recognition. And they've taken a crown of thorns. Listen, next time you you feel really righteous. They've taken a, a crown of thorns. And they've pressed them into his skull. We lost our, our fence and some other things with the storm. And, and last, last Friday, a week ago Friday, me and my ranch hand here, we, we spent all Friday putting up a silk fence so that my dog could get out and run in the yard because my dog doesn't know he's a dog. He thinks he's a human and this causes all kinds of problems. And so we have to keep him out of the road or we're afraid he'll hotwire someone's car and be driving down the road. <laughs> so, so we have a, a, a rather large yard and so we're, we're fencing this up. And we get back to the back corner of, of the fence. And, and so we're having to tear away old fence that's fallen over and been damaged. And, and there, was this, um, there, there was this piece of fence that was connected to this, this bush. And from my understanding, they're called bougainvilleas. That's the most expression I've ever had out of this church ever. <laughs> Woo! Man. 
I would, I would call it a devil plant. <laughs> Never seen one. Tennessee people are smart enough not to plant those. <laughs> so not wanting to let my ranch hand down, went and found a saw, if you can call it a saw. I don't really have a lot of tools like that. If I'm going to saw something, I would just assume it'd be around the deer stand so I can see where I'm going to shoot. So I get this saw, this hand saw, and I'm like in the middle of this demonic plant because it has grown up through the fence and there's no removing the fence without getting rid of this plant. I've got to separate the two. And so I'm, you know, this dull hand saw and it's rocking. You know what I'm talking about? It's rocking the bougainvillea, the demonic plant. And so when I go forward, it's getting me. And when I pull back, it's getting me. And if I, I could, I've got, I won't embarrass you or me, but if I were to show you, I'm scarred up. And, and my ranch hand's kind of trying to step, let me hold that. Ow! <laughs> well, baby, I can hold it right there. Ow! Finally, we separate the demonic plant from the fence, and we were able to rid ourselves of it, bleeding, sweating, raining. It was raining that day, then the sun would come out, and it would rain some more. It was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> but but I, I remember, and I didn't say anything to, to Raina at the time, but I remember getting stuck really hard by one of those long ones. You know what I'm talking about? And it didn't, it didn't do the deal. It went... Whoosh, in me. And at that moment, I stopped for a second and I said, Oh, Jesus, you did that for me. I can imagine having a crown of those made up and shoved in my head. Why am I telling you this? Jason, I thought you were only supposed to say that on Easter. This is leading up to this moment he's been beaten. Beyond recognition, he's naked, he's hanging on a cross. They gave him a cross, he couldn't carry it. Simon of Serene helps him carry it up the hill. And then they nail him to the cross, through his hands, through his feet, crown of thorns. Then they mock him, and there's two thieves on each side of Jesus. And this is, this is the Holy Spirit's response to me of, God, do you even care? Where are you at? And so here's the story. Jesus has been beaten. He's dying. And one of the criminals, Luke 22, it's in the other Gospels, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Do you not fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are being punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he ha- he's done nothing. So you get this argument going on between Frick and Frack. Right? They, they, commit, they committed crimes that were worthy of crucifixion. They knew they were getting what they were getting. And you still got this one over here. He's about to die. And in no way is he going to let, let off on the macho thing. So he's hurling insults at Jesus. Jesus is heaving for air. Because that, that's, why, that's why they would break people's legs on the cross because when they would break their legs, they could no longer breathe because their, their rib cage would fall down on their lungs, thus causing them to suffocate. 
So here, here, here's this one guy hurling insults, and here's this other guy, and, and, and he's like, what are you talking about? We're deser- we deserve what we're getting. This guy's done nothing. He's done nothing. And I'm asking God, did you care Wednesday? Do you care right now? Do you care? What, what is this? And God's showing me this. Yeah, Jason, you know I care. And here's, here's one right here that Jesus didn't have to do. Because the other criminal, light bulb, and he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He tells the other criminal to shut up. And he's like, what do I have to lose? I see there's something different about the guy, the way he's suffering. He's not cussing these soldiers. There's no bitterness in him. He's taken the beating. He's taken the nails. And, and he says, hey, Jesus, there's a belief there. Hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do, do you care, God? Now, this is a moment, and hopefully this ministers to some of you in situations you're going through right now. But but this this is for me, and I'm just relaying it to you. This was a moment where throughout time, the Bible could have still been the Bible had Jesus not answered. Think about this. There would have been theologians that explained away the fact that Jesus was too beaten. He was too hurt. He was too out of breath. He couldn't speak. The, 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 the torture was too bad. He was unconscious. He was, there, there would have been thousands of way people smarter than than I'll ever be that could could have explained that one away and we would have never thought less of Jesus would we we would have never thought less of Jesus but in perfect Jesus fashion in his greatest moment of suffering you know what he does he says today today my son You will be with me in paradise. Does he care? Yeah, he cares. He cares so much that even at his greatest moment of need, he was able to say, I see your heart. I see your belief. And and I'm radically, through what I'm doing right here, radically, radically changing the course of your eternity. In his greatest moment of need. So, so you take that, you take him looking at the multitudes, leaving the 99 for one, seeing us for who we are and what we're going through. To me, that, that brings so much more of a depth of my relationship with God, knowing that he knows where I'm at. And there are some things that I can't talk to other people about. There are just some things that I have to get with God on. And it's me and God. And your relationship goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and that's where you suit up and you say, do I believe or don't I? Well, yeah, God, you know I believe. And he says, well, let me walk you through this. Let me walk you through this. And then the last, last just passage he, he laid on my heart comes from Matthew 11, it's 28 through 30. He says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Does he care? Yes. 
Come to me first, he's saying. Come, come to me. So, so we have this invitation. Come to me. And then it doesn't say, come to me, all you who have perfect church attendance. Because all of us will be screwed. <laughs> come to me, all you who are perfect tithers. Come to me, all you who are without sin. Don't say any of that. What he does is he nails humanity and he nails what life's about a lot of days. He says, come to me, all, everyone, all of you who are weary and burdened, weary, tired, weary, spiritually weary, and then burdened. Burdened by things of this world. Burdened. Burdened by, you know, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because we were weary and burdened trying to fulfill the law. We couldn't fulfill the law because we live in a sin-filled world. And he's saying, Let, quit trying to be perfect. You're never going to fulfill the law. Quit trying to figure it out. Just come, come here. So we have this invitation from the creator of the universe. Everything we know was created in him and through him. And he's saying, come here. Come to me. All. All of you, tough guy. All of you. Single mom that has to press on. All of you. Mom, dad, wayward son. All of you. Families in dysfunction because of something that's happened. All of you who have lost a loved one and you don't understand it. All of you who struggle with an addiction that you don't think you'll ever get over. All of you who are weary and burdened. So you get this invitation and then you get an invitation list. And that's humanity. And then you get a promise. And that promise is, I'll give you rest. Wow. We look for it, we strive for it, we drink for it, we take for it. And Jesus is saying, come here. Come here. I will give you true rest. How does he say he'll do that? He uses a farming analogy. He says, take my yoke upon you and you will learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. And my burden's light. How can he say that? He can say that because he, he, he overcame the world. He, he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God. How can he say that? He can say that because he's the champion. And, and for those of us who aren't going to go home this afternoon and hook up a yoke of oxen, which I'm assuming is most of us, <laughs> let, let me put it in terms like this. A yoke was just a piece of plowing equipment that would hook one bull to the other so that if one fell behind and one was stronger, they would keep pace with one another and the stronger would take the weight of the weaker. And Jesus is saying, hey, Jason, yes, I care. Why don't you put your yoke 
put my yoke on you because I am strong enough and I will pull you through this and and it's going to be in retrospect easy and light when I connect the dots for you one day as long as you don't quit as long as you don't yoke up yourself try to do it on your own full of anger full of bitterness that's what the enemy wants the enemy wants us to run away from Jesus find something to be mad at and spend our life being mad I don't have all the answers to all the things that some of you in this room are going through right now but I do know that God answered my question and my question was God do you even care yeah he cares a redundant question if you read the Bible but sometimes it's good to be reminded isn't it come to me all you who are burdened all you who are tired all, all of you who are weary maybe you're here today and you're weary spiritually you've been trying to be perfect like some people in our service last night you've been trying to be perfect you've been trying to plow the field of life on your own and you got a lot of questions for God and God's got a question for you today are you at peace with him because the Bible says the only way to be at peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ here's the great thing about following Christ and having Christ being Christ on the journey with you doesn't mean you're not going to weep good thing is you know he wept doesn't mean you're not going to struggle goodness sakes he told us we were going to struggle doesn't mean doesn't mean that they're not going to be sleepless nights we know that's the truth what it does mean is that you'll never have a sleepless night alone you'll never go through a storm alone and in those times when you're tempted to ask god do you care As his child, he shows up and says, yeah, Jason, I care. Let me show you how much. So uh, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? It's a great, great, great question. Great question. Are you at peace with God? Would you bow your heads all over this place? Maybe you're like, again, some people last night that said, I don't know Jesus. I, I need to be saved. I need to be at peace with God. Everyone's head's bowed. No one's moving around unless you have to. No one's looking around. Maybe that's you and you'd say, Jason, that's me. I'm weary and I'm burdened of this facade I've been trying to keep up. I'm tired of of trying to keep that up. I need rest today. I need peace with God. If that's you and you know you need to be saved and you know you need peace with God, would you just slip your hand up? Anyone in this place? I see your hand. I see your hand. You just put it right back down. It's awesome. Anyone else? I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else before we pray? I'm going to pray with you. And What an honor and what a testament to God's goodness that there are people in this room right now that are realizing that they need a change if that was you after service today I'm, I'm going to ask you to come up to this table under the screen get a bible and a devotion 
to help you along in your new decision. But if you raise your hand right there, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And so right there where you're sitting, every head's bowed. You pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. And thank you that I am... I'm sitting in your presence right now, God, and this feeling that I have in my heart, I know it's only from you. I know it's not emotion. I know it's from you. I know it's real. And I've realized that I need you, God. I need, I need your forgiveness in my life. So right now, I accept the gift of salvation that you, you, you're giving me through what Jesus Christ did for me. And I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he carried that cross as long as he could. I believe he was nailed to that cross. I believe he died on that cross. He was placed in a grave and he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me. And God, while I may not understand all that life is throwing my way right now in this moment, I do understand. I do understand that you love me that you love me so much that you gave your only son to die for me. So thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.